and one and a two and a two do welcome to are they drunk in there there oh that was a good one <laughs> i'm christina i'm emily and this is a podcast where we talk about food and we drink some alcohol and some science is always involved or at least sometimes involved yeah it's there it's there what are we talking about today we are talking about poaching mm. and not the well i guess the animal kind but not the bad what? kind right the yeah not kind. yeah <laughs> the cooking poaching yeah so poaching is a moist heat cooking method which means um the food is cooked in some sort of water or liquid the food is either submerged partially or completely in water and cooked at less than 180 degrees Fahrenheit. I did see a couple of recipes online that were a little bit higher, but overall less than 180 to kind of distinguish it from like the simmering and boiling, which we can talk about a little bit later. Um, TV. Yes. We didn't explain what we're drinking. Oh, no. <laughs> what are you drinking? I'm having a Chianti that I got from the bottom shelf of the grocery store. Go me. Oh, really expensive, <laughs> that means, right? <laughs> yeah, I had to squat down to get it. It's called Delatori, and I used it to actually poach some apples. So good. But yeah, it's an Italian wine. It's an Italian Chianti. It's really, really good. How about you? What are you drinking? Yeah, so we had uh, crab for dinner tonight, so I was like, should we have wine? And mom was like, let's have some champagne. And I said, champagne and crab, no. So we went searching through the liquor cabinet for something cool, and we um, stumbled upon some gin, which was really old, so we poured that in the sink, and then Joe (laughs) went to the store. (laughs) A a plot twist. (laughs) So so Joe went to the store and got Bombay because I have this whole thing about how sorry everybody who's a Tanqueray lover but I think Tanqueray tastes like Christmas trees which I know is the juniper in it but I'm like no thank you um so Bombay all the way and San Pellegrino Clementina or something like that so it's uh San Pellegrino that they mix with real juice so it's like clementine juice mixed with uh, San Pellegrino and uh, Bombay Sapphire. And it is pretty bomb. Yay. Anyway, so back <laughs> to poaching. <laughs> yeah, but um, the one the one thing about poaching, as I mentioned, it's less than 180 degrees Fahrenheit. But it's typically longer than you would sear a piece of meat. It's a longer cooking method, but it, if you're using some of these delicate proteins, you'll see that it doesn't really take that long. It's just the type of uh, meat or fruit or anything that you're using. So do you want to talk about uh, the typical types of liquid used in poaching? Yeah. Water, wine, stock. So your veggie stock, your meat stock. Um, meat stock is that <laughs> chicken or beef stock? <laughs> meat stock. I don't know why that's maybe weird. mushroom stock. Ooh, we yes. had mushroom stock here. Or milk. So four different types of liquid, and then also um, sometimes there's oil. So this includes um, olive oil or other types of oil, and then butter. So you said olive oil, but I heard that that is confit. 
do you know the difference kind of between poaching and confit? Because I have to tell you, the only difference that I could find was that confit was cooking to preserve meat in its own fat, which apparently is the definition of the word. And I was like, oh, that doesn't sound like something I want to eat. So I actually, I found an Epicurious article that talks about poaching in general, but they did say specifically that confit is really just a type of poaching, um, which is really, as we said, kind of just submerging it in some kind of like hot but not boiling liquid. Um, I've also heard of things about butter. I don't know too much about that. Did you see anything about that? Yeah, so butter poached, which... uh, you had mentioned that you saw in a Muntry article, you can make it into a Vermont sauce with butter. But the one thing that I'm wondering about butter, because I always hear butter poach, I've never heard of butter confit, right. is, yeah, is that I wonder if they call butter poaching because butter is an emulsification of water in oil plus like some milk solid. So that I'm like, maybe they're like, well, there is some liquid in there. So therefore it's poached. But I have to tell you, I have made butter poached lobster before, back Mm. when we lived in Pennsylvania. (laughs) Okay, so this sauce, this Vermont sauce, is really actually difficult to make, right? I was like, oh, it'll be great. I'll just melt some butter in a pot, and then Mm -hmm. it'll be awesome. But no, so I read like four recipes, and it was like, oh, you put these like two tablespoons of water in the bottom and then you whisk it one tablespoon at a time until you put like four sticks of butter in there and then you're ready and I was like so I'm getting halfway through and I told Joe I'm like I'm making this great great uh butter poached lobster which of course he doesn't eat shellfish and (laughs) and I'm like halfway through and my arm is dying from whisking and I He's like, do you need my help? And I was like, yes, please. I know you're not going to eat it, but my <laughs> arm is so tired. <laughs> you know, my butter poached lobster came out good. But I did read a couple of epi- or a couple of recipes that said you should sear it afterwards. And I would have to say I would agree with that uh, just to get a good like solidification on the outside. Because for otherwise, the texture was interesting lobster and butter they're just the perfect pair you know just mm-hmm. like like crab and butter just anything and butter you yeah, know croissant though and butter just croissants <laughs> <laughs> just croissants by themselves <laughs> butter folded in which my mom told me that she went and took this class at sir Latab, which is a really cool your uh, mom oh yeah well everybody on this podcast mom um and she's like i will never make croissants again she's like it was fun but like i will never do it at home apparently it's a lot of work and folding and rolling and folding and rolling and folding and i'm thinking it's probably not for her what's really cool about poaching is that it kind of infuses the food that you're putting in the liquid with whatever you um, are cooking it in so let's talk more about the poaching liquid Right. So uh, there are a couple like different parts of the poaching liquid, right? Yep. The base liquid. So those would be those ones that we talked about from the beginning. So your stock or your wine and acid, which is what's interesting with the acid piece is uh, some of your a lot of wines are acidic. So they can double 
as part of that piece. Or you can do kind of like a combination of stock and wine and get some good flavors there. And then, of course, your aromatics, which include your herbs and your spices. Um, anything you want, really, to give that uh, bang for your buck for flavor. Flavor. One of the things that um, is an aromatic that you can also poach is garlic. So what are some other types of things that we can poach? But kind of turning back, I think that there are a couple of really good um, proteins and things that actually work really well with poaching. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about those? Sure. Yeah, I can talk about what I've um had experience with or like looked up and then you can talk about eggs because oh i only like scrambled eggs everybody uh you can do seafood so um you can poach fish that's actually a pretty common thing to do um it's actually healthier than frying it and actually some of you may be like i have never had anything poached before ever in my life and like what are these people talking about they're crazy but if you've ever had shrimp cocktail, you've likely had something poached. A couple other things that are seafood related are halibut and salmon. So you want to get a firm flesh fish. Try and say that three times fast. Um, but that's basically so it doesn't crumble in the water. I read something about how you can like wrap it in a cheesecloth beforehand. So that doesn't happen if you want to do a delicate fish. But hello, resident lazy chef over here. I'm never going to do that in my life. I don't even have a cheesecloth and I don't want one. Well, then you can't make strange yogurt. I'm sorry. I just, I, you know, I think one of the, one of the, so we're recording this before Christmas, believe it or not. And I feel like the big box in my living room is probably an instant pot. So I am so excited to try our instant pot yogurt recipe that's on the website. Like as soon as I unbox it, I'm going to make it. Um, I guess I'll just make regular, not strained. It's really good for drinkable if you want to blend it up afterwards. Just saying. Okay. So those are great examples of what I would call a delicate protein. Um, something that doesn't really stand up to high heat. Like I just imagine flipping my fish like half the time. I'm like, Oh God, here we go. Is it going <laughs> to stay together or not? Like, <laughs> I know, especially those really, really thin ones. Right. And, um, with this, you don't have to flip it, which is great. Mm -hmm. But, um, and the other really good one is the white meat chicken, right? Because uh, it stays really juicy uh, and doesn't, you're not using that high heat that can dry it out really quickly. I remember like you taught me how to do that because we made it for those um, really good, like those chicken wraps you used to make oh, all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With the tzatziki so sauce. Yeah, yeah and that's like anytime I would make pulled chicken after that, which was pretty much any time in my life because I'd never made it before, that's how I always used to make it. I would poach it, and then it's like really easy to shred after that too. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of shredding chicken, if you haven't tried shredding it in your KitchenAid or with like a hand blender, you definitely should try that, guys, because it's changed mine and Joe's life. We shred all of our meats in there now. We even shredded stuff from our smoker on there. So just as an FYI. Mm. Pro tip, but semi-pro because, you know, we're not real chefs. We're just home chefs. Yeah, yeah. So I actually, um, I poached some apples too, which we can get into later as well. But fruit is definitely a good thing to um, to poach as well, um, especially if you have, um, you know, wine, our favorite, uh, to poach it in. We always got it. Doesn't mean it's from the top shelf, but we got it. 
<laughs> bottom shelf squat to get your wine bottles here we go hey, that's right you gotta burn it off to drink exactly. it up exactly that's what i was thinking <laughs> i actually saw this one recipe that had chilies in it and then you kind of reduce the sauce which kind of brings us into our different types of poaching so submergent poaching is where you cover the entire piece of um, food that you're trying to cook in the liquid. And then, of course, shallow poaching is where it's only partially covered. But then there's this extra one called par poaching. And you put it on the stove and you cook it for half the time. And then you kind of take it off the stove and allow everything to kind of cool down together. And in that process, that's where you're finishing your heating Shallow poaching is really cool because you can take the rest of your sauce, um, the liquid there, and make it into a sauce. And apparently this is called like your cushion, like percussion, but I guess cushion. Yeah. And then you can like boil that down into your sauce afterwards, which is really good because when you poach different types of proteins in liquid, they don't really get that browning effect that you would with like a searing or a like high heat, like grilling. So sometimes when you like chop up a piece of chicken that you've like left in there, um, it doesn't always look the most appetizing, which is why those extra sauces are really cool. So I did say earlier that uh, poaching is generally like better than frying, right? Basically, let's be honest, everything is better than frying for a health perspective. Frying is so good. Yeah, poaching is good too, guys. You just have to have enough like flavor in your water. But anyway, what are some other like good benefits that you know of? Yeah. Um. So it's a really good way to retain moisture while you're cooking because you're cooking at that lower temperature. So. Um, another thing is that, as I mentioned kind of earlier, the flavor is transferred into your product. So you can imagine kind of like when you smoke meats, everybody's like, oh, I take, taste that smoke flavor. Well, this is also a low and slow method where you're adding all of your herbs and your aromatics to the cooking liquid. So then you have that low and slow flavor, but without the smokiness, which is really cool. And so you can get that herby flavor in your finished product. Um, and then again, like you don't need to flip your fish. Cause I can't tell you how many times I've had stuff crumble on me. Mm-hmm. I know you can have your fish spatula, but I got to tell you, I got a fish spatula and that stuff still, <laughs> still crumbles in the plant, in the pan when you try and flip it. Like I still have not mastered that, but that's okay. Whatever. Joe still eats it. And then you're slow cooking your proteins, which allows them to my favorite word, denature. Denature. Exactly. Without pulling uh, too much moisture away. So, um, and then as Emily mentioned, of course, uh, there's no fat, right? The only fat is coming from that piece of meat that you're making. There are a ton of different cooking methods that I, of course, confit was one of them where I was like, Emily, do you know the difference between (laughs) confit? There's, there's not like a Google article. You have to read like eight articles to like figure it out. So here we go. Original content. You're welcome. Yeah. So we decided that confit means that you cooked it in fat. So now butter poached lobster means butter confit lobster. Sorry. That's right. <laughs> but anyway, so of course we talked a little bit about simmering and boiling. Um, but the difference between that and poaching is that with poaching, you're often using that lower temperature, which was that less than 180 degrees. Um, 
but simmering and boiling are often higher. So, of course, boiling water is at 100 degrees C or 212 Fahrenheit. Um, so your heat differential is higher or, or larger and you have quicker heating. So that'll cause your proteins to kind of seize up really quick. And yeah, so then that's when you get like that firmness or that dryness that you don't you don't want with some of those delicate proteins, right? Um, another one that I was looking at is blanching, which is you kind of dip it in like warmer or hot or boiling water. But the one thing, yeah, dip set. No, just kidding, guys. Okay. But <laughs> it requires an ice bath afterwards. And a lot of times this is done with vegetables, which, you know, it's funny because my mom used to make vegetables for my grandparents when they would come over. And my, my grandma would always be like, how do you get your broccoli so green? And, and not smelling like farts. Here we go again. <laughs> broccoli farts. Ooh, yeah. So but, um, but my Oma would always be so impressed by the fact that my mom always kept her broccoli so green. But really, it's because she blanched it, right? So she cooked it in really hot water really fast, got it to the texture she wanted, and then she, like, cooled it down really quick, which... Um, kind of maintains that green color without it getting too um, off colored, which we'll talk about some other time when you, we talk about blanching vegetables. But um, another one Emily mentioned is braising, which for me was a little bit more difficult to understand. But um, so what I found is that a lot of times with braising, what you do is you brown that meat first. So you think like braised beef or anything like braised chicken, what you'll do is before you start like cooking in the liquid, you'll brown both sides of the meat um, ahead and then you'll kind of braise it down for a, a long period of time. So uh, that's what I found. If you have more insight into the braising, though, uh, feel free to send it to us and we'd be happy to chat about it in one of our mini suits a little bit more, of course. Um, and then the, the last cooking style, which is probably one of mine and Joe's favorite, is uh, sous vide. Um, but the one interesting thing with sous vide, which is like you vacuum pack all your, the good flavors all into one bag, um, but you cook it in liquid, but inside the bag. So that water that you're cooking it in never actually gets incorporated into your final meal, which I think is kind of cool. Whereas with poaching, the liquid that you're cooking your food in is basically um, in contact with that protein that you're cooking or that fruit that you're cooking the entire time. And it's incorporating those flavors, right? Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you tried poaching? I have. <laughs> All right, go you. Uh, for dinner tonight, I made uh, poached shrimp, and then I had some uh, mushroom confit. So I actually made um, the mushrooms in an olive oil bath, if that makes sense. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, the so there's a recipe that I'll link on the website, and it's by a chef who has a restaurant in New York. Her name is Alex Ray. R-A-I-J is how you spell it. Um, but yeah, she has a mushroom confit uh, recipe that is online. I'll link it in the website. And it it was really good. It was an interesting experiment. Um, I do want to say I didn't set my my fire alarm off. I did not set on. I did not set a fire, and it was like two inches of oil. So make sure that you have enough olive oil for this if you're going to make it. But um, if you are a vegetarian or even a vegan, like this is a great recipe for you to try out poaching without having to feel the need to like 
make any kind of meat or anything. Um, and they were so good. They were, they're super silky and just smooth. They're not like brown and fried. Like I would normally make a mushroom, which are also delicious. Um, but the other nice thing is that you do use more oil, but you don't have to like wait to not crowd the pan. Like you go ahead and you crowd that pan up. They can be best friends. Um, but yeah, that was a really good, yeah, that was a really good recipe. Um, and I did want to say, though, because I looked this up just in case because I'm paranoid. I was like, if the olive oil sets on fire, what do I do? So to put out a grease fire, you need to take the oxygen out of the fire, if that makes sense. And you do that by kind of closing the lid like onto the pot. And then you, what else you can do in case that doesn't work for some reason um, is to douse it with salt or baking soda. That was something that I definitely learned um, in research for this episode that I didn't know. So I happen to have just a huge thing of salt right like next to my stove all the time. So I'm covered and you also should be covered. It's interesting that you talk about uh, taking the oxygen out of the fire because, of course, uh as you know, fires need oxygen to burn. But I just remember this time that I had this paper plate that was like a happy birthday plate. Oh, no. And I know this story. <laughs> and I went up to mom and I was like, mom, it had foil on it. And I was like, mom, can I put this in the microwave? And she's like, it's a paper plate, Christina. Just go put it in the microwave. And I was like, okay. And I put it in there and I was really nervous about it for some reason. Cause I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this is different than any other plate I put in the microwave. Cause we used to have just the, the white paper plates. Right. So I was like, this is different. And literally <laughs> two, like two seconds in this thing catches on fire. And I was like, <laughs> stop the microwave. And I run out to my mom and I was like, mom, it caught on fire. And she's like, what did you do with it? And I was like, I just left it in the microwave. <laughs> and she's like, honey, that was the best thing you could do because there's no air in there after it's on fire. And I was like, huh, make sure there's no air in there whenever there's a fire. <laughs> I was in the bathtub when that happened. <laughs> I remember because I was like, you know, having a bath or whatever. I don't know. We must have been like, I don't, I don't even think I was, I was like a teenager a, yet. Yeah, I think I was like 12 maybe. <laughs> So I was just like, what is all this commotion? It was like all quiet. And then all of a sudden I, I hear, like, mom told me to set the microwave on fire. <laughs> I asked her, I swear. And then I set the microwave on fire. <laughs> but you said that you had, um, you had poached fruit too, right? Because you were talking about your poached apples. Yes, my poached apples that not only taste delicious, but they also made the house smell so good. They're basically... You peel some apples, and I got uh, honey crisps because they were all sale at QFC. Um, but I think the recipe, which I will link, of course, calls for Cortland apples, which I don't know if I've ever had those. But anyway, um, vanilla, a cinnamon stick, wine, obviously, Chianti variety specifically, and then oh my god, it's they're just so good and they're really easy to make. You just just oh, and sugar. You dissolve the sugar in the wine with the, the cinnamon and the vanilla. And then you put the apples in there and you just kind of turn them while it's like simmering for like a good 30 minutes or whatever. And then you um, simmer down the sauce. They poached sound apple. really good. Yeah. Poached apples are underrated and they should be in more of those poached pear salads. Like so they do should... you peel them first? Yes. 
Yeah, you oh, peel okay, them. Okay, you don't okay, have to okay. core them in this recipe, um, but I did see a couple recipes that were for poached apples that did have them cored. I just, you know, you know, Emily, like Lazy Kitchen doesn't have a lot of stuff and doesn't want a lot of stuff, Mom. Anyway, and like, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, those okay. sound amazing. Oh yeah. man, I love apples too because you know my favorite dessert is pie, and specifically mm. apple and cherry pie are my favorites, and they're always tied. Like I cannot pick between the two. I'm sorry, everybody, but I love them both. But it has to be tart cherry pie. Don't give me dark cherry pie. I'm sorry, I don't Agreed. want it. Agreed. How about okay. you? Have you experimented with poaching? <sighs> yes, I have. Okay. Uh oh. So this weekend, I decided to poach some eggs. But before we get into that, that was not my first egg poaching um, extravagant. Okay. No, it was not. So, um, yeah, we have poached eggs in the past. But this time I decided to try and use a food lab um recipe but so I wanted to make eggs for my mom for Mother's Day back back in the days so this is my first attempt and I was sweating and stressed over the oven and I have to tell you so I made these poached eggs and they came out pretty dang good I gotta say and I I use this like um I did use the vinegar technique although part of me is like do you need it do you not because this past time I didn't use it but we'll get into that and I, <laughs> so this, the first time I, I used a little, like a tablespoon of vinegar in like a ton of water, which I'm like, okay, the acids will help denature the proteins, which we all know. And, um, and the swirling technique and it worked out pretty good. Like the eggs were great, but the hollandaise sauce was the whole situation. Cause my mom's favorite breakfast is eggs Benedict. So she was at our house for mother's day and I was like, I'm going to make her this and I'm going to try it for the first time. And she of course loved it because you know, she's a mom and she's the best yep. and she's so sweet. And she's like, and do oh, nothing wrong. exactly. So, um, uh, so I was making the hollandaise sauce and I'm not the best at like giving direction when I'm stressed so I asked Joe to put the lemon juice in a bowl which was behind the pot that I was using and he just dumped it into my holiday sauce when I was not stirring and I was like oh my god it's gonna be ruined and I had to like whisk it really fast but it recovered it recovered but if any of you guys have had like bad holiday sauce stories I have to say like um, you have to tell me about it. But I had another disaster with my hollandaise sauce that I made this past weekend. But I got to tell you. So first, poaching eggs. Um, so this is always like poaching eggs actually aren't as difficult as you would think. I I used a recipe that said bring your water up to boiling and then turn it to low um, and then add your eggs. So I did that the first time and then I got nervous. And the second time I brought it up to boiling and then I didn't turn it all the way down to low and my eggs were over, but my first eggs were really good. So just so you know, guys, listen to what the recipe says and they should be fine. Um, but then I made hollandaise sauce guys, and I decided that it would be a fun time to test doing it in a doing it in a food processor and mm. so I was like oh this will be great and of course I asked mom mom has this weird fancy one that has like a two stage where you can put a smaller blade at the top and I'm like mom 
um, can I can I make uh liquid in this top one? She's like, no, you can't put liquid in there. And I was like, okay. And so I go to use the bottom one, and of course the the blade doesn't actually touch the bottom, and I don't have enough liquid in there to like make it a thing. Mm-hmm. And I, and then I look at the bowl where I asked mom for the smaller one, and I was like, it says liquid max right here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it says liquid max. So then, of course, we go through like the whole rigmarole of like switching the eggs into the smaller one, which that's fine. But unfortunately, I was so stressed at doing 15 things at the same time that I decided that I didn't want to put the top on the food processor all the way. For some reason, it started running. And mom was really good about it, but. It leaked out the back of the food processor in this big yellow puddle. But guys, I got to tell you, it still came out really great. And if you're looking for a way to really like emulsify your sauce without um, stressing out too much about it, this actually worked out great. And I would do it again in my own food processor where I know how to use it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the eggs turned out great afterwards. Um, and then I said uh, about the boiling situation, when it says that the water doesn't move, guys, just trust it. You already brought it to boiling. Just keep it like, just turn it down. It's okay if it's not boiling while you're cooking your egg. I promise the eggs will turn out great. Um, my recipe from the food lab said to leave them in there for four minutes, which I did. And like I said, when I turned it up a little higher, they came out like a little over. But when I left them at the temp, like the way that the recipe said, they were perfect. So depending on how you like them, um, mom and dad still said they were great. Of course, Joe didn't eat them because he don't eat egg yolks. But that's right. We all know how eggs. Oh, my gosh. I love Scrambled eggs forever. But yeah, if you want to try it, put it on your avocado toast, whatever. Um, poached eggs were, they were actually pretty good. And it was, they were pretty simple. So um, definitely something to try if you never tried them before. And I, I would say the food lab recipe was really good. But again, I made a ton of eggs at once. And, and this is like a three quart recipe. So if you're just trying to make one egg, maybe search online a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I, I've made poached fish in the past. But I, I don't remember because it was like six years ago. So poached chicken, though, you already touched on. Yeah, we made a lot of poached stuff. You, I feel like you don't realize you're poaching something until you look up, hey, how do I poach something? And then you're like, hey, I've done that. Yeah, exactly. Or you're like, hey, um, I I really want to make this weird chicken. You're like, oh, I've made that chicken before. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Tap, tap. Okay. Uh, tip top, tip top. So, um, and I do want to say it's such a showpiece, though. Like, it's very impressive. So, if you're, if you do like, you know, fried eggs or, um, kind of like with that runny yolk type thing, sunny side up, uh, that's definitely something you should try, especially if you're trying to, you know, impress like your dinner or I guess breakfast guests. I don't know what you get up to in your life, but, uh, yeah, I, if I liked, runny egg taste i'm sure i would like poached egg yeah i i i like them but this recipe that i just tried told you to season the water and i think it made a big difference for us because i think the eggs were just actually like seasoned when you got them out because i really don't like when they taste like blah so again look for ones where they tell you to season the water because it worked out great for me that's poaching yeah go team go team that's a wrap 
Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you want to reach out to us at this point, you should know our email, but here we go. Are they drunk in there at gmail.com? You can also contact us via our website. Um, that's where we also post all of the recipes and links to the podcast. Yeah, and if you have any poaching recipes that you say that these are the best, tell us because we'd love to make them. Or Emily will even make a vegetarian version for you and we can talk about it on a different mini-sode, which we would love to do. So just write us at are they drunk in there at gmail.com. And yes, I fumbled it. <laughs> fumbled of a ball. All right, thanks everybody <laughs> for tuning in. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.